Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. My planet Arrakis is so beautiful when the sun is low. Rolling over the sands, you can see spice in the air. At nightfall, the spice harvesters land. The outsiders race against time to avoid the heat of the day. Ravage our lands in front of our eyes. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicate. I am your host, Armand Haddad. This season we are talking about the cinematic adaptations of beloved stories. Today we are taking a look at Dines Villeneuve's film adaptation of Frank Herbert's novel, Dune. But before we travel to Arrakis, I am joined by our returning guest, Kyle Sanders. Kyle, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back. Yeah, I'm glad to have you back again. And we watched an amazing movie today. Absolutely. Dune. Dune. So before we get into the nitty gritty, I have to ask, how did you first encounter the book Dune? Well, uh, funny enough, I didn't encounter the the film or the book first. I actually encountered the act, the toy line from the 1980s. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, my sister, uh, back when I was a kid, she bought me like a coffee table book of like a list of action figures from from the past and, you know, what their worth was for 1990s I don't know and there was just a I remember going through that page by page and there was just like a little blurb uh barely took up the page about the dune action figures I never heard of this before and they had images of the baron and uh, raban and uh and just kind of a, a very brief uh summary about the toy line and the film and how the film kind of flopped and how the action figure line kind of ceased so they were a little um uh scarce um but kind of valuable um so and then that was it uh and then i kind of discovered i think the film came on sci-fi uh a few years later that i was familiar with and then i didn't discover the book until just recently i have only read it once and that was just back in august wow so like a couple months ago. Yeah. And I think, you know, because I was excited about seeing the new film. and But I also didn't want to be totally like deer in the headlights with the, the terminology. I mean, I've heard that Frank Herbert is very difficult to adapt unless you're kind of fully aware of, of the worlds that he builds in his books. So I thought, well, maybe I should come from this from at least a little knowledge uh before i actually see the film so i checked out the book at the library 
And naturally, because the the movie was, you know, upcoming, I had very just a couple of weeks to read it before I had to return it. So I was a little overwhelmed and I, I was kind of um, intimidated by the book's like the page length there. It's pretty thick. Yeah. It's a thick book. Uh, very uh, thick, dense book. And <laughs> But I tell you, just Frank Herbert's language just really pulled me in right away. Mm-hmm. And I, I had the book done like a day before it was due back. Oh, wow. So um, I was just very impressed with, with his story and, uh, you know, the, the world of Arrakis and... The book also came with like um, some like additional knowledge uh, of that of the world at that time. Didn't get a chance to read all of that, but um, like the ecology of Dune and yeah. uh, the the religion um, that the Bene Gesserit sort of follow mm-hmm. their philosophy. Um, but the book was a pretty quick read, despite being almost a thousand pages long or something like that. Is it really that long? Wow. So I didn't read the book. I always heard about it, but I haven't read it until last year because it was supposed to come out last year, the movie. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let me read the book because I'm so excited for this movie. And it got delayed, you know, over, over little, a year. A little something that happened uh, that's still <laughs> kind of lingering out there. Yeah. So I read it last year and... Like, you're absolutely right. Like, it doesn't feel like it's length. Like, it's an easy read despite it being so dense Mm -hmm. and being so, like, overwhelmed and, like, engrossed in this world that Frank Herbert created. And it just feels real and lived in. And, like, when I was reading it, I could see where certain sci-fi franchises took a little, you know, copied their notes. Oh, yeah. Star Wars. (laughs) <laughs> That's definitely for one. Yeah. Um, it, it's literally like Star Wars was like, let's do what they did, but let's do it for the kiddies. Right. Exactly. Like Frank Herbert's Dune is like Star Wars infused with like Game of Thrones. Yes. And it's Game of Thrones in space. And I absolutely <laughs> love it. Me as what well, me as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't say that I am... Uh, Interested in, I know there's several other books uh, yes, that a lot of chronicle uh, that whole universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to read through those. Um, but, f- and I'm not a big sci fi reader. I like sci fi films, but I'm not a big sci fi reader. But um, it kind of made me wonder what am I missing? Maybe there's something mm-hmm. to this, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Right, I'm in the same camp, like, except I really like Mm sci-fi, but I'm not really interested in diving too deep in this universe. I don't want to get lost (laughs) in the world of Dune, but I am interested in reading the second book, because since you and I both read the book, we know that it ends in kind of a cliffhanger, and from what I've read with the summary with Dune Messiah, that it you know, it continues Paul Atreides' story, mm-hmm. and I think it comes to a conclusion because I know Paul isn't in the rest of the Dune books. From what I know, it's like thousands of years past the events of the first book, and it's like this huge, ever-expanding universe. And okay. it's like, do I want to invest my time in that? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. but it has to be really good. But I'm really only interested in reading that second book to see where Paul's story ends. Okay. Because I am interested in him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I I really enjoyed the characters of Dune. I mean, the villains, the heroes, the side characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the, uh, like, can we talk spoilers here? How about this? <laughs> Before we go any further into this podcast, since we're going to jump into the movie, I need you to summarize Dune. The movie by Dennis Villeneuve. You know what? The whole Dune story, the whole Dune book, the movie within 60 seconds. Okay. Are you ready? Elevator pitch time. Yes. Please stand clear of the closing door. Okay. So I'm going to put up a timer. You'll have 60 seconds. I think I can do it. I hope I can do it. Oh, you could do it. You did it last time. (laughs) Okay. We're going to start 
in three, two, one, go. Two families, two dynasties, one good, one evil. Who will win? Who will lose? All over a, an entire planet of desert and sandworms. Why is this planet so important, so valuable to the universe? Only you will find out in a little story called Dune by Frank Herbert. <laughs> if you need to know more, there is the House Atreides, the noble, stoic family that thrive at leadership. And then there is the family Harkonnen, a greedy, brutal family who will stop at nothing to get what they need. Who will win? Who will defy the odds in overtaking this planet that is known for its spice? Yes, the spice. The, the spice. spice. Spice melange. Okay, spice. did that do it? Did that, did that get your interest revved It up? interested me. Okay. Like, this story is, is it's family drama at the yeah. core of it. It really Ultimately, is. yes. Because, so like you said, there's two houses, House Atreides, which is the main character, mm-hmm. uh, where Paul and his father, Duke Leto, come from. And then you have this other house, uh, House Harkonnen. And like you said, they're greedy. They're the ones that first essentially pillaged uh, the planet Arrakis, where all the spice comes from. The spice. And then they told uh, their cousin, essentially... House Atreides to go to Arrakis to mine it, but essentially it was a giant trap. Yeah, all set up by this uh, uh, emperor, Shadam Four guy. Yeah, <laughs> crazy names. Yeah, this entire book. And it's it's interesting because uh, do we talk about the movie now? Yeah, let's get into it. So um, Denez Villeneuve and David Lynch. Sure. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. So I read Dune. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. It was like the Middle East in space, essentially. Yes. And I loved it because I'm a Middle Eastern man. So I knew David Lynch made Dune. I'm a fan of David Lynch. Mm, but I heard, I heard it sucked. <laughs> so I, I was like, you know what? I don't want to spoil my visual uh, world of Dune by watching David Lynch. Okay. So I waited until Denis Villeneuve created his film. Okay. So you watched David Lynch's movie. I did. I've seen it before. Um, I, I'd seen it on TV, like off and on. I never watched it all the way through until recently. Um, I watched it while I was high and that was a bad idea cause I, I had to rewatch it. I actually watched it last night, uh, completely sober. And I, it, it, it's a very visually alluring film. I mean, it's, it's kind of striking, ugly, and hard to take your eyes away from it all wrapped into one. <laughs> you know, it's like it's futuristic, yeah. but then there's like this sort of classic, the way that they dress. And, you know, it's sort of like, um, I don't know, like 17th century yeah. Baroque mm-hmm. uh, style to it. But with like lasers and aliens and stuff. And But overall, it's just kind of a boring film. <laughs> And David Lynch isn't boring. No, you know, not I mean, at all. he he usually has something interesting, either you know, with his visuals or with the language or whatever. But you know, his his film starts off with like a two and a half minute monologue from Virginia Madsen, who plays the Princess Irulan. 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 Yeah. yeah. See, I may mess up some pronunciations, but it's just like her looking at the camera. Oh, God telling you this story the backstory uh-huh. and at that point i mean you're kind of already lost you know oh, it's boy. like why why start that way you know mm-hmm. um so and then the rest of the film goes on and you still have no idea really what's you, there are two families uh you know the atreides and and the harkonnens but honestly there's you know in the book as you read the book you're just so enthralled by those characters you're a lot of them you're you're rooting for or you know you absolutely despise but in the movie the you don't there's really not anybody there to to root for and not even uh not even kyle mclaughlin you know he played uh 
the uh, the young Atreides in in that film, and I there's really nothing that I've felt great about with him. Really, um, that's and, the main person. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm supposed to watch him become the Quidzatz Hatterak, mm-hmm. um, and yet I don't even care. <laughs> And um, and like Duke Leto, like there's yeah. nothing. He's not really. There's nothing that really shows him as like this nobleman. Um, and then Lady Jessica doesn't really come off as like strong-willed or anything. And oh, they just really, for that, for, he, the characters just really have very little to do. Um, even the Baron, I mean, he kind of comes off as like this. He's supposed to be seen like this very almost like insane character, but uh-huh. he just kind of comes off as very campy. He's got like painted fingernails and toenails and oh God. his face is all, you know, just pu- boils, like, right? Yeah. Boils mm-hmm. and like just blisters. He's very hideous. Um, but that's about all that there is to kind of get the sense that he's a very, uh, sadistic, psychotic person. Um, and then there's, of course, Sting uh, in the Speedo. Sting is in it? Yeah. He barely has, he only has a few scenes and a few lines, oh, but he's like, uh, he, he's a pretty interesting character to to watch. <laughs> um, what? Yeah. And then there's just a, like, there's really no, you just get lost in it. It's just a very boring film. Um, whereas watching Dune 2021, um, kept me a little bit more enthralled the way that mm-hmm. the book did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it didn't start off, it, it had sort of like a voiceover, but there were, it wasn't just uh, somebody's face looking <laughs> back at you. It, you know, there's like an action sequence yeah. and you got a better idea of the the history with that planet and mm-hmm. with the Harkonnen family and what they did there and yeah. kind of setting up the story from there and keeping you... Uh, keeping your eyes on the screen the entire time. Yeah, that's more engaging. Yeah. And the book, like, it starts off with Princess Irulan, and she's explaining, because, like, the whole book is framed in, like, like she's retelling these stories that happened years ago of uh, Paul Atreides and, like, yeah. becoming uh, uh, the... What did the Benny Jesser call him? The Quidza, the Quidzatz Haderach. Yes. Haderach. And then the Fremen call him uh, Muad'Dib. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's interesting for a book. That's a good way to like format it. But for a movie, it doesn't work. And David Lynch, like he's a, he's a creative guy, but like it seems like he didn't really care about the subject matter. <laughs> and he wrote the screenplay. I did not real. I knew he directed it. I had no idea that he actually wrote the screenplay Whoa. by himself. No assistance. Oh wow. Um, so I think, yeah, I, th- I don't even know really what he was focusing on, maybe just the weirdness of it all. But, um, you know, it doesn't even really come off as a David Lynch film. To me, it kind of reminds me of like a an 80s miniseries that was kind of like big budgeted for the mid 80s. And that's not saying a whole lot for a yeah. TV miniseries, like the miniseries V that came out mm-hmm. in the mid 80s. It kind of has that look to it. And then at the end of the film, there's this weird where it's like a, a roll call of the cast in alphabetical order, you know, like posing with their name coming up and the character that they played. And like, that's just not David Lynch. I mean, he doesn't do that <laughs> do sort think, of thing. Do you think it was a cash grab? I don't, you know, I know that he had been approached to direct Return of the Jedi. Yes, I was going to bring that up. And uh, and I was recently informed that he passed on it because... He, it wasn't something it, it was already like a known thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he would just be carrying on some create uh, characters and, uh, you know, storylines that had already been kind of, uh, made set in stone. Right. Um, whereas with Dune, nothing had ever been, um, mm. had been made before. So he kind of had some creativity, okay. some sort of say that makes sense. I also like to picture George Lucas approaching David Lynch and be like, would you like to direct (laughs) my third Star Wars movie? And could you even imagine if if David Lynch even had some say in the way Return of the Jedi came out as? I mean, I can only imagine what Jabba's Palace would have looked like (laughs) or um, the Ewoks. I doubt Uh they would have been like furry, cuddly creatures. Right. 
Um, it might have just been the the man with no. Is it the man with no name from Twin Peaks? The the short guy mm-hmm. who does the dancing and the backwards talking. Yes, just a bunch of those guys uh, in red suits and you know uh, attacking the empire. <laughs> would be amazing. Yes, with the help of Princess Leia and uh, R2D2. That would either be the best Star Wars movie or the worst. Yeah. <laughs> it would have I mean, what could have been, I guess. Uh I but I'm sure George even if Lynch had even been spent one day on set, L- George would probably have fired his ass oh, yeah. uh before the day was done. Lynch would be like, "What's this? They showed <laughs> me a Wookiee?" Yeah. What's that? <laughs> so, so Okay, so I'm not going to watch Dune 1984. Like, it just sounds like a train wreck, and not in a good way. Well, I mean, you know, some people say it's so bad it's good. I don't necessarily necessarily believe that. It does have a striking visual. I mean, the sets, the costumes, the, um, the, the, what, the navigator, the, he's like this weird... David Lynch puppet from Eraserhead or something that mm, okay. kind of sets things in the motion. But, um, you know, it's it, but it's not one of his best. Mm. Well, he's very possessive about it because someone approached him when Denis Villeneuve announced he's going to make Dune. They asked him, are you going to watch it? And him and his David Lynch way simply said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I believe him. Yeah, I believe him too. <laughs> like, he's such a man. He's such a he's such a character. You yeah. know? <laughs> Whereas, I, you know, when I when it was announced that Dennis Villeneuve is that how you say his last name? Mm-hmm. Um, I had seen Arrival. Oh yeah. And what is the other film that he has done? He has done Enemy. He has done Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yes, that one. Nineteen seventeen. So he already has that visual eye for sci fi. Oh yeah. You know, David Lynch has a visual eye for horror, mm-hmm. um, but I think that kind of changed uh, the outlook on remake. I mean, sort of it's remaking Dune, but also readapting Dune right. um, with somebody who kind of has a better mindset of space and sci-fi. Yeah, and hot out of the gate with Denise Villeneuve's film, you could tell he mm-hmm. is into sci-fi. <laughs> this is hard sci-fi this isn't star wars this isn't i mean star trek even goes hard sci-fi this is hard yeah this feels like it's from ten thousand years in the future Mm. and i absolutely love it (laughs) (laughs) it's so cool uh what was it like just from like the very first frame of the film were you already set in or did it take a little while or so we had two different viewing experiences with this film we did I saw it at a gala presentation at the music box where side notes. So it was a gala presentation at, you know, Chicago film festival. And it's like, Oh, you never know. Maybe the director is going to be there. Maybe Timothy Chalamet is going to be there. Maybe even Zendaya. No one was there. Damn. No one came. And I was a little disappointed, but you know, who did came, it was a squadron of anti piracy police. Like, they're like, okay, we're going to show you Dune, but you have to turn off your phone. If we see any lights emanating, you'll be thrown out of the theater. And I was like, damn, they are not, you know, fucking around please, with this movie. Please tell me they were dressed as the Sardaukar. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would have been a nice touch. <laughs> I mean, we don't have the cast or the filmmakers of the film, but at least we have the costumes to kind of make our point, you know. That would be amazing, but no, they did not. They are dressed, I guess, all black. uh, Missed opportunity. Pantsuits. But I was like, okay, this feels like a legit premiere. (laughs) Something important. Yes. An event. Mm -hmm. Well, and I watched it on HBO Max on my TV (laughs) screen. And uh, I'm sure I will probably... Here's the thing. I enjoyed it enough to actually want to pay money to see it in a theater. Oh, wow. So I may go see it um, in the coming week. Nice. Um, just to get the get the full grasp of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, I, I today I, I actually watched it today um, with the subtitles on just to make sure sometimes that, you know, the, the words, especially Frank Herbert's language and yeah. his terms uh, can just go right by you. So I to, to, 
that first viewing was kind of just paying attention to the dialogue. So now I need to like pay attention to the actual visual, which is still not difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's an amazing, it's a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. It's not like so ugly, it's pretty. It's it, There's a lot of uh, tension uh, that went into the yes. making of it. Absolutely. And that attention to detail, like I got emotional in oh, the yeah? theater. I was sitting there, I was like, oh my God, this is exactly how I pictured it in the book. <laughs> like this is the book come to life. Yeah. And when I see David Lynch's Dune, I'm like, no, that <laughs> that is not what's going on in my head. Right. And what Denise Villeneuve, like he, like you said, he captured it. And it's interesting that you put on subtitles because we both have the benefit of reading the book. So we mm-hmm. like, we know about the Kwisak Haderach and yeah. the Bene Gesserit and, you know, uh, the planet Caledon and, you know, uh, Arrakis. We all know, we know those weird words. But to like an average person, they'll be like, what's happening, right? <laughs> yeah, totally lost. What are they shouting? What are they whispering? <laughs> what's going on here? What's that guy's name? Right. Yeah. Like it's it's very dense. And I do like that bravery on Dennis' uh, part because like he could have did exposition dumps where it's like, this is what this is. As you know, Paul Atreides, you must do this. And it's like, no, it it's it takes the audience and it takes them on a ride. Yeah. It's like, you know, damned if you don't understand, but you're going to have a beautiful time watching this movie. Well, and I think to provide that kind of exposition would just, it gets lost in translation no matter how you try to do it. If you try to over-explain, you know, you lose the momentum of the action of what's going on. Exactly. So with this film, I mean, I I, I wish I could say, you know, uh, oh, I've never read the book. I wonder what it'd be like to have never read the book and to watch this film. But mm. I think regardless, it'll keep you entranced uh, whether or not you have that that background of, of knowing the book. So, um, but yeah, it, the film does not really um, get lost in those details or the, the whys and the hows and the whats. Mm-hmm. Um, it just goes forward with his story. Well, let me give you a little bit of insight So a director friend of mine reached out after I watched the movie and he was like, what'd you think? (laughs) And I was like, I thought it was amazing. Like it's, it gave the book justice. It it was an incredible journey. And he was like, I've never read the book, but I agree. Denise Villeneuve knocked it out of the park with this movie. So like him never reading the book, looked at the movie for the movie as its own thing. And he was like, this is great. So to those listening that has never read the book, please watch the movie. Yeah. You will love it. And it's a, it's this the story at the heart of it is a story that, you know, we've seen in Star Wars, but we've also seen in other films, you know, good versus evil, uh you know, heroes and villains, um an unlikely uh, somebody like a the lead character is kind of hesitant on taking over um you know his the family dynasty but then is kind of uh pushed into doing it through crazy circumstances mm-hmm. and then you know meets these people along the way who make him who he is that will i, I guess continue on in on another installment yes so did your copy have part 1 underneath dune the title logo uh, Mine did in the the book, uh, in the movie. Oh, in the movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. They okay. they place the part one. I think it's at this point they're pretty much saying this is part one. It's not just one movie. Okay, that's good because I'm not sure if it is greenlit for part two. I just hope it is. I think I saw. Uh, I didn't read the entire article, but I did see a headline that uh, Villeneuve has already said we're we're going to make part two. We're going to make it for you. Oh I guess God. like the fans or whatever. So well, good for him. I, I mean, that's, that was a couple of months ago. So we'll see how the receipts are and <laughs> if the studio is impressed. I know like initial reviews were kind of mixed, but it seems like it's picking up some momentum. So we'll see how it by end of the year, if 
it actually does get greenlit. You know, directors say one thing, but then right. producers, uh, studio heads have another way of yeah. poo-pooing that. You know, I, I see a trend. Um, did you see Blade Runner 2049? I did. Like another piece of cinematic art. Yeah. It is art. It is high art, but doesn't perform well at the box office. Yeah. And I don't want to jinx Denis Villeneuve, but I just hope Dune doesn't follow the same footsteps because I would say this movie is definitely art. It is it is a masterpiece to watch. Yeah. But is it going to make a bunch of money for the studio? Uh, do you have any notes on the budget of this film, like how much they spent? I imagine it was quite a lot. <laughs> Yes, and it was made before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And they probably anticipated, you know, during, quote, normal times, it's going to... Oh, I don't know if the HBO Max release will hurt it. I mean, I know people are hurting to get back into the movie theaters. They want to see movies in the theater. Um, But I don't don't know. $165 million. Okay. (laughs) And that's not... Taking into fact uh, marketing for this movie. Yeah. And that's easily probably a few million on top of that. So probably we're looking at a little under 200 million probably. Hey, if people are going to sign up for HBO Max, yeah, that, that counts for something. I hope so. Uh, because to not see the finished result would be a huge disappointment. Yeah. It was... Amazing. So let's get into, let's further get into the movie. So Timothy Chalamet, I would say, knocked it out of the park. Yeah. As uh, Paul Atreides and Oscar Isaac. Oh, yeah. Being the father, Duke Leto. I think the um, the casting decisions were pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Were pretty on the nose. Um Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You know, Timothy has that kind of brooding thing that he's just really good at. Yeah. Um, And then Oscar Isaac has kind of come into his own. I mean, he's already played a Star Wars character Mm -hmm. uh, who's kind of a rogue, renegade, Han Solo type, whereas this is a little bit more subdued. Yeah. um, More with uh, maintaining respect and honor and dignity. Um, And then the actress who played Lady Jessica, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, yeah. Um I thought she had both the you know the look of of Lady Jessica who kind of is supposed to kind of come off as like this ladylike figure and you know she's only supposed to be considered sort of like a concubine uh mother to Paul and part of the Bene Gesserit but in the book she kicks ass you know like mm-hmm. that book there's a lot of her yeah. that ends up kind of t- taking over from the very early part of of the book Dune. Yeah. Where she and Paul are kind of on their own out in the desert. Yes. They meet the Fremen, and mm-hmm. then she pulls that cool kick-ass fight scene with, um, uh, what's the what's that guy's name? Um, oh, Stildar? Yeah. No. Yes. Is that it, Stildar? Yes. Yes, yes it is. Um, He's like you know, the Fremen lieutenant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she she kind of comes into her own and and you realize that she's not this frail uh, woman. Uh, mm-hmm. She's She's got a backbone and she knows how to protect her son and herself. 
Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought she was a good choice. Um, and then the, the Harkonnens, uh, uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Skarsgård brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, that villain, he's, it's a very, his performance is very, you know, low key, I would say. I don't okay. know if I got the same amount of um, doom that I got any time that the Baron showed up in the book. Right. Um, but I mean, the, the the film has only kind of had him, you know, sitting around or not mm-hmm. well lit. Yeah. Um, so uh, hopefully they're saving something for book for movie two. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and Raban too, uh, Dave Bautista, I thought that was a good choice. He's a very um hulking type figure that yeah. needs to play Raban. Um and again he's kind of playing the sidelines too. So I'm hoping I didn't get the amount of villainy that I wanted out of the Harkonnens in this film. Right. Other but, than the big inciting moments in the film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um but then some of the other supporting characters. I noticed that the ecologist of Arrakis um Kiet is uh, uh, Kynes. Kynes, yes. Yeah. You know, it was male in the book. In the book, mm-hmm. and they changed the gender. And I don't know. I don't know if the the race was ever in, mentioned in the book, but so. um, you know, they they have a African American woman playing that character who I never would have considered that, but I think it was a good choice just to kind of vary the the cast. Yeah, and like that character in the book, it's inconsequential whether it's a male or female to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's perfectly fine to like gender bend it. Paul Atreides, however, if you made it into like Paulina, yeah. I don't think that would work for the no. story. <laughs> no. Or make Chani a, a dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, that would not work out so well, but... Um... But I thought that character, I mean, it's sort of a, a side character, but has a very, you know, pivotal moment as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and then some of the, like, Thufer Hawat, is that how you say his name? The human computer guy? Um, shoot. Yeah, there's so many characters. I know. Was, with crazy names. Was that um, in the Atreides group? Yes. Okay. The one, the medical doctor? No, that is uh, uh, Dr. Um, Ewa. Ewa. Yes. yes, Yeah. I knew, like, what kind of name is Ewa? Uh, (laughs) But uh, I I don't recall. I mean, in in David Lynch's Dune, he was played by, um, uh, what's his name? It was a white guy. Uh, The guy who, um, he was like a a child actor, and then he co-starred on Quantum Leap. He was Oscar nominated for Married to the Mob. Uh, oh, wow. And he, but he's been in a couple of David Lynch films before. But, you know, they, I don't know if Dr. Yua in the book was of Asian descent. Um, but I, I do like how Villeneuve's Dune kind of made the cast or those characters more mm-hmm. um, varied in race yeah. and uh, uh, ethnicity. Yeah, I think that's a smart move um, because. It's like you watch sci-fi movies or even any kind of movies and like the cast is all one race. Yeah. It could be any race, but it's like all one race. And it's like, uh, that's kind of not realistic or boring. And then with this movie, Dune, it's like there's like dynamic acting because like all the characters look different Mm -hmm. and that could elicit different performances based on their background yeah. and the audience can look up and be like, ah, it can be as simple as that. He looks like me yes. or she looks like me. Right. Um, and I will say, you know, David Lynch's Dune was very whitewashed with most, I believe all characters um, were white that I can think of. Well, it was the eighties. You know? Yeah. That's Makes true. Sense. Times were different. Yeah. And, uh, but I think it, the story of Dune definitely updated uh, quite well for this day and age. Definitely. And so let's talk about one character that didn't get a whole lot of screen time. Mm-hmm. And that's Zendaya's character, Chani. Yeah. She is a very important character in Dune. 
And some people are saying like, oh, she didn't get enough. She, she didn't really do anything. And I think she shines more in the second half of the book. Yeah. And that's going to be the second movie. Because the film, uh, this film can kind of concludes at the end of book two. Yeah. Of, of There's like three parts in mm -hmm. the actual book, Dune. Yeah. Um, and those go by pretty quickly, plot-wise. And so now I'm sure in, in part two, she will have a bigger role. Yeah. Um, and I knew the movie was going to end there because I was thinking, okay, because Dinesh said like it's going to be two books or yeah. two movies. And I'm like, where is he going to chop it in half? Well, it makes sense when Paul Atreides meets the Fremen. Yeah. Because after that, there's a time jump. Right. Not a, not a big time jump, but enough. And I'm like, okay, well, that would be the point to do it. And it makes sense. And I think that's why he wanted to split it up is he wants those like Zendaya and Chalamet to get a little older before. Oh. Um, now, I don't know how much older, but okay. um, hopefully we don't have to wait too long. But um, 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it could take 10 years. I don't know. We'll have to see how this film does, what how the response is. But um but I know that I think that was kind of his decision is he wants those actors to age, you know, um, in real time. That's so smart. To play those characters, to continue playing those characters. Wow, that's so cool. So I'm so um, down for that. Yeah, yeah. That's so smart. And, you know, he has no choice because of the whole pandemic. Everything's been delayed years. Yeah. So they're going to look older no matter what. They're definitely <laughs> going to look older. I think we all look a little older after last year. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I'm going to pose you a question. Okay. Kyle. So Dennis said it's going to be two movies. I think it's going to be three. Oh, you think? I think it's going to be twist. three. Plot twist. Plot twist. Because book two. So you're saying that Dune is a big boy. It's thick. Yes. With two C's. It's a very dense book. Yes. Uh, the follow-up book, Dune Messiah, is surprisingly short. Oh, really? So that could be encased in one movie. You think so? You know, why do two films when you could do three? Make it a trilogy. <laughs> uh, I, I would th maybe that would be uh, the filmmaker's idea. I don't know if a studio would do that. And why is that? Because it, you know this, they might be able to say, "Okay, we'll give you we'll give you a part two because obviously this film kind of ends on a cliffhanger type, and we got to see it through." But uh, we'll be damned if you add a third movie to this, and you know we don't we don't get our money back. Oh, there we go. I'm just saying, <laughs> maybe you know things will be different. You know, mm -hmm. I could I I wouldn't be against it personally, but um, I don't know if they would allow that. They yeah. as in the studio. studios. Yeah. They're like, I want my money. <laughs> it makes sense. Um, I'm just hoping Dune does well in the music box when the, when the movie ended. 30 seconds of applause. Oh, really? I'm not joking. Wow. It was, the and it was packed. And it could have, who knows how long that applause would have lasted had there been cast and crew there from the film. At the gala. Maybe it was going to be five minutes. It could have been. Yeah, you all might have done like a standing ovation. Oh, my God. It could have been. But I digress. <laughs> yeah. You hear that, Timothy? Come to Chicago. Damn Mark it. your calendar. <laughs> Mark your calendar. Yeah, I mean, I hope it does well. And I hope it paves the way for a whole trilogy of Dune movies. That would be amazing. Could be. Are there any scenes from the book? From like the from book three of the book that you hope make it in the the next film. Well, first let me say what scene was missing in this movie that I really wished was in the movie. Are you? Do you remember the dinner scene in the book? Is that where the ecologist is first introduced? Aren't they all kind of? Mm -hmm. Yes, a little bit. Yeah, and like, and like when I read it, because knowing that they're going to be making a movie out of this, I was like, okay. How are they going to show this on film? Mm -hmm. And Denise Villeneuve took the easy way out and just cut it out. <laughs> because yeah. like that scene was like, 
think of Game of Thrones where you're watching a scene and like there's so much betrayal and like ulterior motives going on with like each of the characters and like all this body language. Mm-hmm. I could see why that would be hard to choreograph on film. And like, but reading it in the book, you're like, oh my God. Like there's so much going on in this dinner scene where visually not a whole lot's going on, but like everyone has their own motive. Everyone wants something gained that's at the detriment of someone else. And it's like on full display in this dinner scene before the Sadakar attack. Yeah. And I thought it was awesome in the book and watching the movie. I was like, Ah, it's not in the movie, but you know, Dennis Villeneuve wants to make a streamlined movie, so it makes sense to take that out. And uh, you know, I, I had completely, you know, I don't think it it seems jarring in the film that it's gone. So that helps. Um, you know, I was kind of disappointed that the um, that Thufer Hawat character who, you know, after the attack, he actually has kind of a scene of himself kind of escaping the the location that gets, you know, obliterated by House Harkonnen. Yeah. Because um, he's like, I bet Lady Jessica was up to this. I never trusted her, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then somehow he gets captured and, and <laughs> taken in as hostage by the Harkonnens. Yeah. Um, maybe that'll be left in part two. I don't know. But like... His character, you know, he's like this human version of like a computer. Mm-hmm. You know, he has all of this knowledge about the planet and about every family. So, I mean, he plays like a pretty pivotal role in, in kind of exp- how, explaining how things are or, or you know, how how the family should make a decision and, and defeat, like, you know, just moving from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. So, but then he just kind of disappears and then I have no idea where he goes. Um, so I'm wondering if he'll play, if there'll be any scene of him in part two um, or what. Maybe. But yeah, it does seem a little strange to uh, rearrange it like that, you know, mm. in the movie. Um, but for part three... Well, I mean, the second Dune movie, uh, part three in the book. Mm -hmm. I notice cleaning up of the language. And let me explain that. So as I referenced earlier, Dune is kind of like the Middle Eastern culture in space. Okay, yes. And um, there's a scene at the end of the Dune movie where Paul Atreides realizes that you know, he has foresight into the future and he can see like the House Atreides banner going across the galaxy in this burning wave. And he described it as jihad. Yeah. Which is a Arabic term for war. And in the movie, they didn't say that. Hmm. And I was like, I understand we live in a post 9-11 world <laughs> and you don't want to freak people out by using language like that that's been associated with the Taliban and all these bad sure. people. But it's like, I found that, and I was like, hmm. Now, this book was written in the 60s. Yeah. Much different time. Yeah. So I was like, that's a little interesting. So I wonder in part two of this movie series if they're going to use that word. I know it's a nitpick, <laughs> but I'm like, hmm. I'm going to say they're probably going to not say it. For political reasons. Yeah. Makes sense. So, um, but as far as like what I'm expecting, you know, never once was the name of Fade mentioned in part one of the movie. Right. And uh, there's been a lot of speculation, um, you know, if this character is even going to show up um, or if he's being kept secret because it's going to be like a a very (laughs) interesting actor to play him. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to see if that character will show up because he kind of shows up in the very beginning of the book and then they, he he disappears for a little bit and then he shows back up when you find out that the Baron really wants Fade to take over the house Mm -hmm. instead of, uh, Raban because Raban is not as smart or as cunning. He's just more brutish muscle. Yeah. 
And then, of course, there, you know, in the book, there is a, a fight scene between Fade and Paul. Um, so I, it has to be in there. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a combination of, you know, Dave Bautista's Raban, but he's also going to take over more of that role. But I hope mm. that they pick like a very, you know, charismatic, maybe a musician turned actor. Maybe it'll be Harry Styles. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, that's not what I'm asking for, <laughs> but just like how they had Sting play right. Fade and uh, the 80s version of Dune. If Dennis will take a, a page out of Lynch's book and say, hey, let's get a Machine musician. Gun Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or him. Yeah, sure. Why not? He's kind of like a tall, blonde, sometimes guy. In um, the 40s. Yeah, he looks like he's 20 years old. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll be interested to see if that part gets cast. Um, or also Paul's little sister, Aaliyah. Is that her name? Aelia? Yes. Um, because uh, Lady Jessica is pregnant. Yes. Um, and then she has to drink that water to like yes. become Bene Gesserit. And mm-hmm. they think it's supposed to kill her unborn child, but instead it gives her unborn child this these weird powers. <laughs> it's like fully developed baby <laughs> um, who skeezes everybody out. So I'm, yes. I'm curious to see what child actor they'll have play that part it'll have to be somebody like a child who can emote like as an adult and be taken seriously i would imagine what if it's cgi would you be mad i wouldn't that would be Mm. weird i mean there is a scene like in a dream that paul has of his mother holding a baby if you remember yes which must be his sister okay and i was trying to pay attention to like to see if her face was weird or like if she had um some sort of like strangeness about her because Mm -hmm. like you know she's born kind of like i said a fully known individual who has like information on everything yeah Uh, but just like a little pint-sized little girl (laughs) so i'm i'm curious to see uh how that will turn out in the next film yeah yeah like there's a lot of, I mean, I understand there's a lot of characters in the book. Yeah. Like it's, it's, a, it's a very, there's a lot that goes on mm-hmm. in the novel. Um, and also I wonder if Princess Irulan is going to show up at the end. Yeah. Or uh, the, the uh, emperor too. We haven't seen the emperor right. either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the first scenes in David Lynch's Dune is the emperor, you know, kind of plotting this uh, betrayal between those two houses. Right. And right now we haven't seen any image of the emperor. Right. Yeah. I just, I just wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> also, There's too much, too much to to ponder. Also, I wonder, because like we were talking about like missing characters in part one, but let's talk about a little bit with uh, Baron Harkonnen, because like I don't know if it was in the first half of the Dune book or the second half of the Dune book. But there was a revelation with his character that made me go like, oh, that's interesting. Is so like not only did he want to betray his cousin house, House Atreides, and he wanted to procure young boys to have sex with Mm. that looks like his, I guess, nephew, Paul Atreides. Do you remember that part in the book? Yes. And that's not hinted at in Dennis Villeneuve's uh, movie so far. It hasn't, no. I, really, I don't think, again, I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, where I think Stellan Skarsgård is a great fit to play the Baron, but the Baron just did not seem to have a whole lot to do in this film. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he um, he's plotting to attack uh, the Atreides' house. But as far as like getting to really know him, we haven't really yet. Right. So um, I'm just hopeful that he still is, if he is in part two, that he does have some more villainy to to show off. Um, Because he is, he's a very uh, interesting villain in in all of literature, really. You know, he's morbidly obese and... um, 
you know, he does have that kind of uh, predatorial uh, viewpoint of of young men mm-hmm. or boys. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be interesting to see what Dennis will do with him next. I don't think he was used well enough in part one. So hopefully part two will be saving all of his villainy for for that film. Right. And you would think that making him overtly like a pedophile, that would be like an easy way to tell the audience, yeah. he's a bad guy. Yes. He's a slimy dude. Yeah. And he's, Dennis cho- chose to make him like this puppet master that did orchestrate the betrayal against House Atreides on Dune, uh, Arrakis. But other than that, not, not a whole lot going yeah. on. He just seems like a guy that, I don't know, wants a promotion. Yeah, yeah. Just wants what was taken from him. Right, which is a planet. Yes. <laughs> so, I, I mean, as far as this being an adaptation, do you think this is a good adaptation of the book? We've kind of talked about, you know, how the book was the initial. Well, I've seen both versions. Maybe you should see the David Lynch version, too, should just I? to see how a bad version can pan out, but... As far as an adaptation, do you think it really captured so far what Frank Herbert's uh, whole mission in writing that book was? I'm glad you I'm I'm glad you asked that because so this is the season finale for season two. Okay, and this entire season we looked at different types of adaptations um, from like book to movie, video game to movie whatever music album to movie Mm. and with this movie by Denis Villeneuve I think he truly captured the essence of the book Frank Herbert was going for okay and and that's why when I was sitting in the theater welled up with tears I was just completely astonished I was like this is how you adapt a book like he took the ideas that were embedded within the Dune novel where it you know it brings up this uh, future where it devolves into like this feudalistic society where a lot of sci-fi of the time like kind of discounted religion like oh by the time we get to the future we won't have that not in Frank Herbert's world it's it's very much uh, infused with the technology with like the Bene Gesserit and like this idea of like the chosen one it happens to be Paul Atreides and then. He reaches the the Fremen and they are looking for a messiah and it ends up being Paul Atreides again. So that's very interesting. And you could feel that those breadcrumbs are in the first Dune movie that Denis Villeneuve has created. And also like pillaging a land of its resources, like and like what do you do for like an indigenous culture that is being thrown by the wayside? Uh in hopes of like making money with like uh, Baron Harkonnen and then kind of with House Atreides, but they're trying to make it work with like having a treaty with the Fremen. So there, there was good intentions there. Um, so I think overall it was a good adaptation. Yeah. Cause you can feel that Dennis Villeneuve cared about this story and he was a fan. He was a fan. You could tell he was a fan. Definitely. David Lynch, I don't know. Well, yeah. Check that version out. I I felt more um, invested in this film version than the Lynch version. Um, there is a lot of care to those characters and to that world. Um, so I think as far as, you know, there's also a TV miniseries from sci-fi oh, a couple of years back of Dune. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a, you can't really adapt that book unless you just really have a love for it right and you know some things you have to take out you know your your favorite dinner table scene uh to to make it more cinematic or to make it appeal to a broader audience Mm -hmm. um my hope with this book or this movie is that it will encourage people who've never read the book to want to read the book Mm -hmm. you know if this is where the movie Dune is going and is leading into uh, part two that, you know, oh my God, wh- where is this going next? 
maybe I should read ahead in the book and find out where hey, we're going. That's right. So um, I, I think it was a, a very solid adaptation that uh, I'm I'm looking forward to where the second installment is going to take us. Right. Me too. Like, I just hope it gives the book justice. That's yeah. all I want. Like, I love this book so much. And Dennis Villeneuve so far has proven to be, you know, he cares about this story and it shows. I agree. So far, and I think with his sci-fi films, he's made them appealing enough for even if you're not a huge fan of sci-fi, you're intrigued by the drama Mm -hmm. and the story overall. Yeah, because at the core of this movie, it's a boy that has lost his father, his family, his way of life, and he has to essentially... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Gain a new family and a new group of people and belonging somewhere else. Mm. Find love along the way. (laughs) (laughs) And there's an environmental aspect, too. Yes. Uh, you know, there is that scene in the film where Paul's walking around after first arriving and uh, there's that character, you know, carefully watering those palm trees. Mm-hmm. And there's that just it's I don't even know. I don't even really remember it in the book, but um, it's a very sort of subtle hint at, you know, explaining that at when they first arrived on Arrakis, you know, years ago, they were going to make the planet livable Yes, But then they found out the secret behind the spice and they did away with that and they only wanted to harvest that spice and mm-hmm. keep the planet a desert, Yes, you know, that is almost inhab- uninhabitable um, and very treacherous too with the sandworms and what have you. Yeah. Um, you know, and I kind of cut that as, oh, you know, political commentary there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think that was sort of Frank Herbert's um, idea with the book, what, 50 some odd years ago? When did it come out? 65? It, it was definitely before we landed on the moon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> even even more astounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that sort of um, commentary in that book has still, it's still very relevant today. Absolutely. I was really blown away about it when I read the book just a couple of months ago and still noticing it in the film that I just watched a couple of hours ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, so you're describing Kynes' character, how she wanted to terraform the planet mm. to be lush and livable. And it's interesting because like the planet is naturally dry. Yeah. It, it was never meant to be livable. So it's interesting that she wanted to do that and then pivoted from that when they can monetize the planet right by harvesting spice mm. the spice that is one nice difference from this new film from lynch's film is he was very lynch was very heavy on the 
inner voiceover, inner monologue of its characters who whispered like that. Yeah. They know about the spice. <laughs> Stuff like that. So that got very annoying. Whereas in this film, he doesn't, Dennis doesn't even do inner monologues. <laughs> I was waiting for that because that's the only thing I know from the 1984 movie. Yeah. Is the spice melange. <laughs> yes. They know the spice. <laughs> and that, I think, that's what makes that film such a terrible adaptation is it it just lays on the exposition too thick and and the characters uh thoughts you know it's just really trying to put page to screen and you gotta you gotta formulate it a little better you know have the visual that tell says more than you could ever in your own script absolutely thank you you're welcome well, that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Dune by Denis Villeneuve. Please check it out where it is available. And now I'm going to take a moment to thank my guest, Kyle, for coming on to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I always enjoy it. You're welcome. You are welcome back anytime. Can't wait. But if you'd like to keep this conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate. That is C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E. Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Have Discord? Feel free to join the growing film community there at syndicate.com forward slash Discord, where you can catch myself, along with other podcasters and listeners talking about this movie and others. But if we miss anything during this conversation, please send us a message at info at syndicate.com or visit the website syndicate.com. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. <laughs>